Well, San Francisco always seemed like it was the big city. Um, and it was. It is still. Um, but we could see it from our backyard. We could see it from our deck. That was Aaron Lim, creator and host of Bitch Talk Podcast. I'm Jeff. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share stories, and you get to know your neighbors. In this podcast, Erin tells the story of her parents, how they met, and what life was like for her growing up in the East Bay. She ice skated and went to Hella Giants games with her family. Quick disclaimer, Erin and I are actually engaged. I've wanted to have her on the show since we launched back in 2017 for obvious reasons, but we're just now getting around to it. I hope you enjoy. Here's Aaron. Yeah, my father, Lawrence Chow Lim, was born, uh, I believe, in Chinatown or close to Chinatown in San Francisco in 1929. And um, his parents were, from what I understand, an arranged marriage. And um, I don't know if they called it an arranged marriage back then, but they came to the States. I don't know what year. I think the story is that my grandfather came over first and then my grandmother came over, but she had to stay at Angel Island for a period of time before she could actually enter into the city. And um, my grandfather bought his name. It was a paper name. So our Chinese name is really G, which I didn't find out, I don't know, maybe in the 2000s, early 2000s. And, um, but he bought the name Lim. And so, yeah, that's kind of the origin story of my family. And my dad was born. He had a brother named Eddie. He had a sister named Pansy. They're both deceased as well as my father. And there's one other limb out there. Her name's Gloria. Um, there was there was another um, sibling who passed away early in age, I think in her teens. Mm. Um, and I don't know what age she was and what order she was in the in the lineage of the siblings, but yeah, so my my dad was uh, born and raised San Franciscan, grew up in Chinatown. And uh, met my mom in the early 70s. 70s, Yeah. And what's your mom's story? So my dad was married previously. um, And that's how I have my half-brother and half-sister. And Daryl Lim um, was on the podcast two seasons ago, your first season. Yeah. I'll figure it out. So um, at some point you'll have my sister, who's basically the mayor of San Francisco. And uh, anyways, my mom uh, came out. To, to the Bay Area to Pacifica specifically, try to say that. From where? From Kansas. Okay. And uh, she got the hell out of there in 1969 because, um, uh, oh, what's... Richard Nixon? Yeah, Richard Nixon. <laughs> There's so, I don't know. Uh, Nixon uh, became president and my mom was like, I'm getting the hell out. She was 18. She's in a small town called El Dorado. Um, funny side story, that's where Obama's white half of his uh, family's from as well. So I'm pretty sure we're related. I'm going to stick with your that story forever. And my mom's white. Yeah. yeah, so your mom and his mom basically yeah. were friends. Sure. But not. But that's, not. Sure, that's the story. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's a very small town. Right. Very small. So I 
I mean, I'm sure we're cousins, right? That's how that works out. I thought, yeah, I thought cousins <laughs> with both Barack and Michelle. No. Or related my, or something. My mother loves Ancestry.com. I think that's the one she was looking up. Anyways. So your mom had relatives out here. She was lucky enough to have. Yeah. So that so that it wasn't just like, um, oh, Nixon's president. I got to get out of this small place. I'm going to go to California. Yeah, because her grandmother was there. Eula. Right. Yeah. In Pacifica. As I get older and learn, you know, you learn the stories of your parents because they're humans too. Like my mom was a kid and she barely had 18. any money in her name, barely. And uh, and a woman. And a, yes, she's my mother. She's a woman. I mean, no, but that's significant. <laughs> yeah, no, a young just, woman. Just starting to be okay in the world right. at that time for women to do things like that. Well, not but really still okay. Largely unheard of. Right. Yeah, yeah. So she. She uh, moved to Pacifica and moved in with my grandmother. And yeah, she started working, I believe, pretty much right away at Safeway. Good old Safeway. And she started out as um, one of their uh, telephone operators. Like when they had the boards. Switchboard. There you go. Thank you. Like a literal switchboard operator. Plug in and she could tell you the story better, but... Which I think is pretty cool. So yeah. my grandma Eula was working for Safeway, I believe, and that's how my mom got the job. So, so, so then my dad, who was much older than my mother, but either lied or just didn't tell her how old he was, <laughs> was a uh, was a tax auditor for the state of California, and Safeway was one of his um, clients. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was in the lunchroom, break room, whatever. My mom was wearing red shoes, and that's the story I've heard. The woman and, in red. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I'm gonna guess he asked her out because my mom was pretty shy. I think she's still kind of shy in a way. Yeah, I can't see her asking my father out, who was yeah. older. So okay, yeah. So they hit it off, obviously. Boom, and then. So you grew up in San Leandro, right? I grew up in the East Bay. Uh, yes, born in Burlingame. I think within the year I was born, my parents bought a house in San Leandro. <laughs> San Leandro's borders Oakland and Hayward and Castro Valley. So, mm-hmm. um, what was that like? Uh, San Leandro. Over, growing up over there. Well, San Francisco always seemed like it was the big city, um, and it was. It is still. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could see it from our backyard. We could see it from our deck. Oh wow! And um, you guys were on a hill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Selborne Drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, it's pretty suburban, I would say, very middle class. And uh, we might, my dad might have been the only Asian. Oh, wow. Really? In that neighborhood? I don't, I'm trying, I'm racking my brain. I don't remember any other Asian people. Yeah. Yeah, at that time over there. There's, but across the street, um, I think my neighbors were. Puerto, Ric- Puerto Rican and Mexican. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my best friend, Megan, whose parents both grew up in San Francisco. And whose dad and grandmother have, have been on the podcast. On the podcast. Yeah. yeah. She lived in the neighborhood, but a few blocks over. So, mm-hmm. um, but everyone was very middle class. Everyone, you know, the parents all had a job. We were all latchkey kids. Like, that Did was it feel diverse? You're hinting at some diversity, but ish. I didn't think about it then because right, our element, our elementary school was diverse, mm. and there are all kinds of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, 
low to middle class kids, mm-hmm. I would say. So, were you cognizant of that kind of thing as a mixed race child? No, the only thing I was cognizant of as a mixed race child um, was that the super Chinese people and kids weren't feeling me. Mm. So I felt that pretty early on mm-hmm. when my parents tried to <laughs> try to send me, bless their hearts, to a Chinese school on the weekends. Oh, and wow. I was like, it was in Oakland. I think maybe, you know, when you're a kid, you feel like everything lasts longer than it does, I oh, think. Yeah, totally. And now as an adult, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. But they might have only taken me for a month, maybe. And it seemed like way longer than that. But huh. I I don't remember having any friends there. I felt very out of place. Yeah. I was way more, quote unquote, in place with my white friends. Um, yeah. I wonder if that was tough for your dad. Because obviously he, like he, he had to, left Chinatown. But he had know. to assimilate too, and even he while to, he was right. in Chinatown. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he spoke... <laughs> He spoke Chinese to his friends, but it was always broken up Chinese because you'd hear the English parts of <laughs> his Chinese, like McDonald's or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it'd be Chinese, 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 and then an English word, but he never taught that to me, which now I'm super bummed, mm. um, but that wasn't the time right? at all. Like, you know, he was, I don't think he was beat, but when you're growing up in Chinatown in San Francisco in the 40s, 50s, yeah. no one... None of the schools there wanted you to speak Chinese. Right. So. So you went to a fairly, you said a fairly diverse elementary school? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All kinds of folks. And then middle school? Well, from elementary school, our elementary school went from kindergarten to seventh grade. Oh, wow. And then then, uh, high school was eighth grade to senior year. Hmm. And I don't think I knew it at the time, but I feel like now my... My mom maybe was panicking a little bit because I don't think she wanted me. She didn't want me to go to the local high school that all my friends were going to. Was it a bad school? Like, why? I don't. My my mom and, and dad had me grow up pretty preppy, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> in elementary school, I was Miss Hesperian when I graduated. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know. It was the first year they did that. There's like Mr. and Miss mrs hesperian so that was me oh i know and uh so i think my mom thought i was gonna get my ass beat when i got to high school which i probably would have i mean who knows what would have happened but my best friend went megan but she, her parents well i'll tell that story in a minute she ended up going maybe the first half first half of the first year of eighth grade my mom decided for some reason or another to put me into a private Christian high school or no private Christian element, private Christian middle school for eighth grade mm-hmm. in the Valley. Uh, so the Valley here in the Bay area to me at the time, it was Dublin, Pleasanton, San Ramon, Danville, right. Livermore out that there. five eighty, And I didn't really know that area. Well, the only reason I knew that area a little bit was when I was an ice skater mm-hmm. and I skated, oh, do tell. I skated in Dublin. They had that like kind of the closest ice rink. There was also there, there was an ice rink, um, over in Foster city 
uh, I think that place is called now The Landing, you know, right when you cross the San Mateo Bridge. Yes, Foster City's super weird. Yeah, whatever. Um, but there was an ice rink there and there was an ice rink in Dublin and Dublin was the closest. So that's the only reason why I knew Dublin. And I mean, looking back at that time too, it was crazy. My, my parents somehow had me in dance. This was like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. I was in ballet, I was in ice skating, and I was in piano. And a little performer. Yeah, and so I loved dance, and ice skating was awesome, but it's expensive, really expensive. Mm. And so that only lasted a few years, but it was intense because I would go before school and I'd go after school. Mm. And uh, you go, it's like five in the morning, and then after school, a few days a week. And in Dublin, I was ice skating with, uh, at the time, Chrissy Amaguchi and Rudy Galindo, who were a pairs team uh, <laughs> before Christy went her own way. And also, Brian Boitano was skating at my rink, too, in Dublin. And we only bumped into him once, I think, at the Target that was across the street. He was already a big deal. Yeah, that was ish. Yeah, because it was the 80s, yeah. 90s, 80s. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, it was a weird time. <laughs> yeah, and a weird world to be part of yeah but uh, they weren't big i mean brian boitano was known but christy and rudy not yet no yeah. no not that well known so you knew that you knew her. i didn't i i didn't know them i skated yeah. in their sphere do you want to talk at all about because something i love is your um growing up going to candlestick stories do you want to talk about those at all yeah my um my mom's grandmother's husband, so my mom's step-grandfather, I guess? Sure. The ones that lived in Pacifica, he had season tickets to the Giants while they were at, the can- while they were at Candlestick Park. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And 81 I just, games back then, just like it is now. I, just, I, gr- I grew up going to those games, and I grew up loving Will Clark. I loved loved will clark i loved him (laughs) and uh i would go with my dad and my grandfather and my grandfather had the best seats like four five six rows back from home plate whoa and um on the giant side and so when i say i loved will clark um i would i would bring him big league chew like they didn't have bubble gum in the dugout but um sometimes he'd come over or actual chew Back then. Right. Sometimes he would come over if he didn't like Robbie Thompson, who I actually I love too, but not like I loved Will Clark would come and grab it, or uh, Bob Brunley. I think once one of the catchers uh, would come get it for me, and I had like a little I think I had a T-shirt that had I got made that had Clark on it and stuff. Nice. So that was a gr- I loved growing up watching and listening to the Giants. Then it's a different it was- it's a different team now, but. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was mostly you, your dad, and your step great grandfather. Yeah, yeah. That went that would go to the, that, yeah. that trio. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and I think my grandpa Danny, that was his name, uh, drove some big old American car to the. I mean, it was like not a big. It wasn't no. a big deal to go to games then, like right. it is now. Uh, you just got in the car, you went, you parked, and you walked in and had a good time, and that was it. And the other story i'll tell about my (laughs) grandfather danny which maybe there are other things going on but you're a kid you don't know what's happening he um they grew you know like i said my mom was living in pacifica they 
had a house in Pacifica and there is a bar in Pacifica, which is still there. Knock on wood after all of this bullshit pandemic is happening. Winter's bar. Oh yeah. Winter's bar. Like, which you can see off of, uh, the one when you're going down yeah. to Pacifica and he used to good music venue too. I don't think then it was, it was a real, Oh, oh it was just, okay. It was. Yeah. I think, I think my grandpa was going there to make bets. Okay. And I went along, but I didn't know it was happening. And right. so he'd get me a Shirley Temple and I'd just hang yes. out. I mean, maybe that explains why I like dive bars now, but. Yeah, sure. It probably explains a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. But I didn't see anything wrong with it. And I don't remember. I don't remember if my mom or my dad knew or if it was a thing. I don't remember. No, I don't have this experience personally, but. You're not the first guest I've had on the show, roughly our age, yeah. talking about being brought to bars yeah, as a 80s. kid. Yeah. It was okay. Like you just bring a kid into the yeah. bar and get him a Shirley Temple. Like I loved Shirley Temples. I won't I won't editorialize on that too much. Yeah. Um were you guys last thing I'll ask about baseball. Um were you guys fans in the eighty nine season? Were you going to games in the eighty nine season? I think at that point. And I'm not talking about the earthquake. I'm just talking about like the Giants went to the fucking World Series. That was like a big yeah, deal. Yeah, no, as fall as in seventh grade, and obviously still a big fan. And I remember, I don't remember the season, and I don't know if we were going because I think at that point my grandfather was getting screwed out of his tickets because uh, you know that's when MLB was starting to be like a real corporation. Yeah, and screw screwing them, the working class. Uh, out of an out of entertainment, and um, I, I think he got squeezed out of his um, oh, his tickets by that point. Because I think seventh grade, I think my grandma Eula had already passed, so I don't even know. I don't think we were in touch with my grandpa much, but um, and I don't remember going to games that often. But I remember that specific series, and I remember coming home from seventh grade that day, and we had this like little bar in the kitchen and I set myself up and I was going to start watching the the game while I was going between that and the Brady Bunch of course after as school do. as you do and for some reason my dad came home early that day thank goodness and then uh, <laughs> he's not alive anymore so it's fine but we used to make this joke anyways he was in the he was in the bathroom riding the golden throne when the Loma Prieta hit and I ducked under the the table in our kitchen and I just, I, yeah, I'll never forget that. It felt like riding a wave. It was so weird. But, you know, my dad was riding the toilet. So there yeah. you go. So I just, yeah, that was, uh, that was a weird day. But that was, that was huge. It was Battle of the Bay. Yeah. It was a very significant time in Bay Area baseball. And, you know, on one side you had Jose Canseco and you had uh, Mark McGuire, you had the Bash Brothers, and on San Francisco, it was Will Clark, and it was Kevin Mitchell, and it was good. It was good stuff. Really good stuff. Did you like the A's at all? Or did you care? I didn't care as much as the Giants, because I grew up a Giants fan right. in San Leandro. Right. But it was nice to have a stadium, like, going, I think in seventh grade, and maybe sixth grade, we went on, um, like, towards the end of the school year, we'd be able to go to, like, one game, which was fun with our classes, so uh -huh. you'd just take BART. And go to a A's game with your class, and it was fun. So I think there was a moment in time. I don't know what year it was. I don't know where I was at in school, but I remember watching the Academy Awards. And I remember seeing the red carpet, and I remember seeing P. 
people in black <laughs> behind behind the celebrities and behind the actors and actresses. And I'm like, I want that job. I didn't know what that job was, but I wanted that job. Huh. I feel like that was elementary school or middle school. It's yeah, it wasn't high school. I think it was before that. And I didn't know how I was going to get there. Um, but after high school, I went immediately into um, junior college. I went to Diablo Valley College like the summer I, summer after I graduated. Okay. I don't know why I was being that uh, ferocious summer. about wow. going to school, but I was like, why not? Yeah, give yourself a summer, kid. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just... I didn't care that much about it, and I and it, I wasn't going away to school. So, um, did you have the purple Honda at this time? Oh yeah, Civic okay. purple Honda Civic. Okay, with the CD changer in back, like ten yeah. disc CD changer it was awesome. So I went to DVC, and they had a TV program there, and so I took that, and I was taking I can't remember like TV production, and this guy in that class was like, "Hey, are you looking for an internship?" I was like, I don't know, maybe there's a way to get in, you know, foot in the door and, and into quote unquote entertainment, at least up in the Bay Area. So um, that's when I started my internship career and also communications career um, at KFRC, which was at that time 99.7, but like the oldest station in San Francisco in the Bay Area and um, a pretty classic station. So I got to, I got my start there in 90. Six, 97, 96. Mm -hmm. And I worked in the promotions department and I thought it was the best thing on earth. It was so awesome. And I got to write scripts for radio, which t was agonizing because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It took forever to write a script. Did they train A little. You listen to like what has what they've done and then yeah. they're like, here you go, kid. And I'm like, sure. Jeez. So one of my scripts, I might still have the tape somewhere, but I may not. Um, I wrote, a, I remember it was just so painful because it took me forever to write a script because you don't, you're not, you don't know how to write that way. I mean, I was before just writing papers. Yeah. And so I wrote a radio script for the film, um, The Rock. That was the, the movie. Yes. John Travolta. No. Was it John Travolta? Sean Connery. Yes. Sean Connery and. Nicholas Cage. Yes. So we were having a big promotion for that film. At KFRC, so I had to write a, a radio script. The Rock. Yeah, and um, it made it onto the radio. I was super no stoked. Way. Yeah, it was. Was yeah. that your first one? Yeah, that, that, that got read. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's where I started in communications. It was fun. Like I got to go backstage to oldies concerts, and I um, hung out with uh, one of the two of the monkeys, um, Peter. And Davey. I got to hang out with Davey for a minute. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Davey Jones, um, <coughs> who obviously I had a crush on from the Brady Bunch. Duh, if no one remembers that episode with Marsha and Davey Jones. Um, but it was cool. I, I had a great time. So I think from after that internship and, and you know doing more communications work in uh, junior college, I interned at um, Bill Graham Presents um, when there used to be a Bill Graham Presents. Mm -hmm. um, and mind you, these were not paid internships, <laughs> FYI. Yeah. Um, 
those were not the days of paid internships nope. and uh bill graham was awesome and man it was like you got paid in posters um if you're familiar with uh bill graham posters like from the fillmore or the warfield um and I worked in their staging department. And so back then, you know, we had computers, but I was us- using the yellow pages more often to mm. like book our stage managers, um, like their hotel and hospitality and all that kind of stuff. Cause they had to manage all these shows that Bill Graham was booking, not only in California, but also in Nevada and some other, I think Arizona too. Oh, wow. He had a pretty big reach. And uh, that was, that's fun. Yeah, I have some stories. But <laughs> Anything you want to talk about? Well, uh, I think the first big concert I got to be back, hang out backstage at was um, I'm going to forget a bunch of stuff now. Was at the Shoreline Theater, and I remember driving there. <laughs> my mom. So my my mom's side of the family, we call it the Callaway Curse. <laughs> Which I actually think just means that um, we have, um, now it's called IBS. But uh, yeah, I had the Callaway curse on the way to the shoreline because I was going to, there were all these huge stars that were going to be there and I was just really nervous. I just just stop somewhere and, you know, relieve myself (laughs) (laughs) before getting to the shoreline. (laughs) I was nervous. Um, And so it was the Neil Young uh, Bridge concert. Mm. It might have been its very early conception because I don't now I don't even think they do it anymore. But it was like at that time it was Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, this can really date myself. Um, REM. Oh wow. Uh, I don't know who else was there. Those are the ones that are really sticking out for me. Maybe Dave Matthews because that's '90s. I know, but it was very early. Uh, yeah, so I got to hang out and I ate lunch with Sarah McLaughlin. Glaughlin, McLaughlin? Did she make you cry about puppies? Or No, that was before that time. Oh, um, okay. This was like height Sarah McLaughlin. Did you make her cry? No, I didn't talk to anybody. But I remember I got to stand, uh, I got to stand off stage and I was standing there and all of a sudden this woman came up next to me and I looked at her and it was Janine Garofalo. Oh. And I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> but I was like, maybe I was 20. 1920 so what was she doing there they're just hanging out P- people are just hanging out i also want to say margaret cho was hanging out back there but i don't Probably. maybe i'm also making that up i don't remember but that was like my first big concert that i got to hang out at um and it was cool i mean i loved it i got to go to shows all the time i got to bring my mom like they paid us in shows also it's just like you sign up for your tickets and it's not like you're sitting front row but you got to go for free so right. um yeah it's fun from there, I uh, worked for the San Francisco Giants for two seasons. I worked in the 99 season, closing out Candlestick. And then I worked... Uh, you did something like what you're doing now, right? You oh, walked yeah. around with a microphone. <laughs> yeah, that was the beginning of my... You with a microphone. <laughs> with me and a microphone. Uh, I don't know if you were around those, in those days in 99, Candlestick. I was the chick that was on screen talking to fans um yeah it was an interesting time then uh i got to i got to know some really great people who still work at the giants including lucille um he started or she uh in 99 and we became really good friends that year and uh i was a kid 
I think I was 21. I must have been 21 because I was able to go to clubs and like go drinking and stuff. But um, And Bertha, who's been on the show. Yeah, I'm Bertha Fajardo. Mm-hmm. She, um, I didn't know her in 99 as much as I knew her in 2000 and 2001 because then we worked in the same department. But mm. um, in 99, I was in the promotions department. And uh, I would like to say it could be highly contested, but I do remember there was a moment in the promotions office towards the end of 99 and the Giants were like, they're looking for a new announcer wrapping up their time at yeah Candlestick. and for somehow um i kind of became friends because when you're in promotions you work with a lot of radio stations and you work with tv and blah 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 and at that time kiss fm 98.1 um was one of the radio stations we worked with and um i had not become friends with but i uh, met your friend John Scott who's been on the show as well and through that um, became sort of friends with Renelle Brooks and um, I got her tickets for that last week at Candlestick and um, we've just always kind of been in touch ever since but I remember in the promotions office they were talking about one other DJ a woman because they wanted to still have women um, announcers. broadcasting announcers and they're talking about two different women. No, they're talking about one woman who is on KFRC still, who I used to work with, Cami Blackstone. And I, I could be making this up, but I'm pretty sure I was like, well, what about Rennell? Because I was just, I had just worked with her, and and they had thought about it, and then just saying I started her career. That was Aaron Lim. Join us Thursday when Aaron will talk about launching Bitch Talk Podcast. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography for this episode is by past guest Chloe Jackman. The show is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Hunt. Our website is storiedsf.com, where you can browse more than 100 episodes, check out all of our live events, and visit our store to help support us. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do us a favor and rate and review what we do. And if you have any feedback for us or suggested guests, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.